Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Philippians chapter 3, verse number 12, he said, Not that I am already attained or am already perfected. This is the Apostle Paul talking here. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I said that uh, this morning that the Lord Jesus has laid hold of each one of us. He didn't just lay hold, lay, lay hold of the Apostle Paul, he laid hold of you. And he had a purpose for the Apostle Paul's life. He laid hold of him for a reason, for a purpose. Well, he's laid hold of each one of us for a reason and a purpose, isn't that right? Amen. But you see, God laying hold of us, Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ laying hold of us is only half of the transaction. We have to then reciprocate. We have to lay hold of that too. Amen. We have to, we have to do our part in order for those things to come to pass that he's ordained for us. Brethren, verse number 13. I do not count myself myself to have laid hold of it. That's what the word apprehended in, this, in, in the original Greek here means. I do not count myself to have laid hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. We pointed out this morning that there are some things ahead. There are some things ahead of us. There are some things ahead for us. And they already exist in the realm of the spirit. God's already created them. They're, they're there. They belong to us. They're ours. But we have, to, we have to reach for those things. Because we live in a natural world. We're spirit beings, spirit creatures living in a natural world. And we have to, we have to reach beyond the natural and reached out into the realm of the spirit where those things are that God has prepared for us. We have to reach for those things. We have to uh, have the same kind of desire Paul had. We have to have a reach. We have to have a, a, a pressing. He said in the next verse, I press forward. In verse 13, reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That word reaching means to stretch. Literally, it means to stretch yourself. Just like a runner, you know, who's in a, who's in a race. And, and Paul was really using language that would bring to mind the runners in the, in the Olympic games of his day. And you know, when you're, when you're running, you've got to stretch yourself. And you can't be looking around you when you're in a race like that. You can't start listening to the footsteps behind you. You can't, you can't be looking at the past in your, in, your, in your walk with God. You've got, like he said, forgetting those things which are behind and stretching toward those things that are ahead. He said, I press toward the mark or the goal. That word literally means a target. I press toward the target for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is an ongoing upward call from God. It's a call from heaven. It's a call that, that uh, originates from heaven. God is calling us up. He's never calling us to stay where we are. 
He's never calling us to stay like we are. He's calling us up. He's calling us further. He's calling us higher. It's a constant call, but you see, uh, many are called, but not very many make it. Many are called, but not very many make that. They, not many Christians really reach for that high calling of God. Most Christians are just satisfied with uh, just knowing that they're saved and they're going to heaven. But I tell you what, God has some things prepared for us now, for, for this day, that he wants us to accomplish. He has a plan for each one of our lives. Amen, it's a glorious plan. Amen. It's a glorious plan. What God has for you is far better than what you can uh, come up with on your own. What you think and what your plans are in life, they they can't even compare to satisfy the way God's plan for you will satisfy you. Amen. He said... Notice in verse 13, he said, one thing I do, and then he said two things. You ever notice that? One thing I do, or these is, he said, one thing I do is these two things. <laughs> one thing I do is these two things. That tells me that both of these things are part of the same. These two things are, are joined together. They're really one thing. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and stretching forward to those things which are ahead. You can never reach forward until you turn loose of the past. You'll never go forward in God while you're holding on to the past or while you let the past hold on to you. He said, forget those things that are behind. Put them behind you. God's not holding your past against you. Amen. You might have failed God. You might feel like you've made just huge mistakes and you've let God down and you've not done what he said. You know, you can still leave those things behind. You can leave that failure behind. God is never reminding you of your past. He's always reminding you of your future. And though you have missed it, as long as you put it in the past. Now, if you keep it in the present, if you keep your disobedience in the present, if you keep disobeying, if you continue to do what, what, what you know God has instructed you not to do or you, you continue to, to stay uh, grounded in one place and you refuse to meet, move forward, uh, then you know your past isn't the past, it's the present. But if you'll put those things behind you, if you'll truly put your, your failures, your disobedience, the, the times where you haven't obeyed, put it behind you. Only you can do that. And it doesn't take three years to do it. It doesn't take three hours to do it. It doesn't take three minutes to do it. You can say, God, I'm ready to go forward. I repent of the failures of the past. And when you do that, it's gone. The Bible says that when God forgives, He completely forgets. He completely forgets about it. He'll never bring it up again. Don't let the devil bring it up. Forget those things that are behind you. Amen. Leave them behind. The only way you can reach forward is to leave those things behind. 
But on the other hand, the only, re- the only way you can really leave those things behind is to reach forward. You, you can't just say, well, God, I'm sorry, and then not make any plans to go forward in God. Amen. You have to be, you have, it's one and the same thing. They go together. Forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forward, stretching forward to those things which are ahead. But I tell you, it takes, it takes consecration. You know, this passage, if, if you read it, it doesn't imply a casualness. It doesn't imply uh, just a, a, a light-hearted uh, a, uh, venture, a light-hearted pursuit. He said, I, I press on. There's a pressing that has to take place in our life. We have to press into the things of God. They won't just come overnight because we do live in a natural realm and the, and the enemy, his, this is his realm. The natural realm is the enemy's realm. It's where he manifests himself. And we have to press beyond that. We have to get beyond the natural. Amen. You know, we, we read about Jesus. Well, actually, we didn't read about it. We talked about it. Let's go over to Matthew 26. And let's just read this passage of Jesus' prayer of consecration in the Garden of Gethsemane. In Matthew 26, in verse number 36, Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to the disciples, sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me, that is watch in prayer. He said, pray for me. It's really what he was said, help me, pray for me. Did the Lord need the disciples' prayer? Evidently he did. Amen. He said, watch, stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed saying, oh my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to his disciples and found them sleeping. And said, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? So it sounds to me like he prayed for an hour. And the essence of his prayer was, oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. He said, could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. He came and found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away again and prayed the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. 
Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. And then we have the story of his arrest in the garden. Jesus prayed this prayer three times. But there was a subtle progression as he prayed this out. In verse number 39, he said, Oh, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Then the second recording in verse 42, Oh, my Father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. Jesus struggled. Jesus struggled with the will of God. He struggled with God's will for him to go to the cross. And he prayed. He said, Lord, if it's possible, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Jesus, it was hard. It was a, it was a, a, a terrifying proposition to think he had to go to the cross and take on the sins. Think about the sins of the whole world. Here was a man who'd never known sin. He'd never, never disappointed God. He'd never, never sinned at all. Pure, holy. He was, gonna, he was being required to take upon the sin of the world. Now, Jesus knew that's why he came. He told his disciples. He said, this is the reason I came. Peter said, you know, he told them that he was going to go up to, to uh, Jerusalem and be crucified. And Peter said, no, 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 you know, far be it from you. He said, this is why I came into the earth. This is the purpose for me being here. He knew that. And yet in his holy righteous self, he, he, he drew back from that. He knew he was going to be separated from God, the Father. He knew he was going to be separated And he experienced that on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it troubled him. He was exceedingly sorrowful. Even, it almost killed him, even to the point of death. It was all he could take. Luke's gospel said he was, he was, he was uh, in anguish and, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling to the ground. And he said, Lord, I don't want to do this. If it's possible, change it. And then, then later he said, if this cup cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. See, there's a progression there. And, and if you know anything about surrendering to the will of God, you know about that progression. There's times the Lord wants you to do something and, and, you, and you'd rather not do it. You'd rather not do it. But you, you, at some point, you have to say, God, it's not what I want. It's what you want. Amen. I've been there before. I've been there. You have to be willing to accept God's will and agree to it. In the model prayer that Jesus prayed, he said, you know, this is, this is how you pray. Of course, we don't just repeat the Lord's prayer, but... But it's a model prayer, and the, and the principles are there. Our Father who art in heaven, we start with worshiping God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That has to be on the top of our list. After we acknowledge God, we have to say, Lord, your kingdom, your will be done. 
not my kingdom, not my plans, not my will, your will be done. And you know, it, it, we have to follow this in every area of our life. Not just in quote unquote spiritual things, but in everything that we do. Go over to James and look at uh, the second chapter of James or the third chapter, maybe the fourth chapter. It's fourth chapter of James. James chapter four, verse 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell and make a profit. This man, this, this is a business plan. He, he's, he's illustrating a, a business plan. He said, come now, you who have developed this plan for your life. And you're saying, we will go to such and such a city. We'll spend a year there. We'll buy and sell and make a profit. He said, whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. It's talking about your natural life. You know, the natural things are like a vapor. Our natural life is like a vapor. It's a very, very short period of time that we have on this, on this planet in, in our natural life. It's very short. And it's all going to pass away. He said, it's like a vapor that appears for, for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall, live, we shall live and do this or that. Even in our everyday lives, we have to be submitted to God. We have to be submitted to his will. We need to get in the habit of seeking him about the natural affairs of life. The things that take our time. I'm not saying you have to seek God whether you park close to the door at the supermarket or further out in the parking lot. I'm not talking about that. Some people get condemned, you know, over going through into the exit door, at the, you know, at the supermarket. Like they've transgressed God's commandment. And they went in the outdoor, you know. That's not what I'm talking about. But the things that require your time, that are commitments that you have to make, uh, that, that you have to build, structure your life around, don't enter into those things without seeking God. Get God's plan. Get his plan first and then let your plans be built around what you know he wants you to do. Amen. He went on to say, he said you ought to say if, if the Lord wills, we, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Living your life without consecration to God's will is arrogance. Amen. Living your life, giving no thought to what the Lord wants you to do and what his plan for you to do is arrogance. According to this, he said, but now you, but he's, he's talking about in this context, people who say, I'm gonna go here and there and do this or that, you know, and without seeking God, you're, he said, you, now you're boasting in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. I think we could say it like this. Therefore, to him who knows what God wants him to do 
and does not do it, to him it is sin. I tell you, it, it matters what we do. It matters how we live our lives. It matters what kind of business we go into, what kind of uh, 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 career we pursue, what kind of decisions we make. It, it's important. Amen. It's important. And consecration is the key to, uh, to arriving at that place that God has ordained for you. You know, there's, a, there's an end for you. There's a, a birth, B-E-R-T-H. There's a birth that God has planned for you to eventually, for your ship to eventually dock at place that he's got for you, a harbor for you at the end of your life. There's a place for you that God has for you that he's ordained for you to arrive at, to achieve some, achieve some things, to, to, to accomplish his plan for your life. He, he's got a place. But in order to get there, we have to, we have to seek God and consecrate ourselves in, in the smaller affairs of life. Like I said, I'm not talking about you know, ridiculous things, but dis, major decisions. And sometimes decisions don't seem so major at the time. They turn out to be bigger than we think they are sometimes. Amen. Hallelujah. Uh, Go over to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. You know, we all come up upon, we come up to crossroads. All of us do. Throughout your life, you will approach places that are crossroads where you can either go and and follow your natural inclination or you can follow God's plan. And decisions that are made at at those critical junctures determine everything. I know once before I talked along this line and, and, and in fact, let's go back to uh, Acts, I mean uh, Genesis and let's go to the uh, 20, glory to God, around the 20th chapter of Genesis. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 17th chapter, 18th chapter, I'm trying to find it here. Glory to the Lord. Where the Lord separated himself from Lot. You remember that? Hallelujah. Yes, it's even further back. Huh? 13th chapter? Yeah. There's a place, there was a time when Abraham, you know, he had taken his his own immediate family and he had gone uh, out to obey God. He took Lot with him. Probably should not have, but he did. And uh, says Lot also, who, who went with Abraham, had herds and flocks. Abraham had herd and, herds and flocks and was very, had great possessions. And it says in verse six, the land was not able to support them that, might, that they might dwell together for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. 
and the Canaanites and the Perizzites then dwelled in the land. So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are brethren. Is not the whole land before you? Please separate from me. If you take the left, then I will go to the right. If you take the right, then I'll go to the left. And it says in verse 10 that Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zoar. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east and they separated from each other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. You see, Lot had an opportunity to choose and he chose the wrong thing. Now you say, well, Abram told him, it's, you know, you go one way, I'll go the other way. But one way was not as good as the other way. Amen. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. If you go to the, to the east, I'll go to the west. But he could have gone to the north and not the east. Amen. He, he didn't have to go where he went. He, he, he reached a crossroad in his life and he chose the wrong thing and it cost him everything. If you read the whole story, if you, if you don't read it yet, you'll read it this week. <laughs> it's in our reading plan, plan for this week. This week or next week, I think. But he'll, he'll uh, I think it's, we've already, we're past that, aren't we? Yeah, you'll catch up to it this week. And uh, Lot, Lot chose the wrong path. It cost him everything. Little did he know when he chose to go toward the well-watered plains. Oh, it looked good. It looked good in the natural. Not everything that looks good in the natural will be good for you. Amen. And, uh, and that choice ended up ruining his life. If you go over to, to uh, Acts chapter 15, you have a similar thing in the New Testament. Acts chapter 15. Amen. In uh, the, the uh, 15th chapter, if you go back to chapter 12, go back to chapter 12 and look at one verse. Chapter 12, verse number 25. You remember Paul and Barnabas, they started out on their first missionary journey together. God did great things for them, just had a tremendous ministry. Then uh, they returned to uh, uh, Antioch, and then the Lord sent them to Jerusalem to take an offering to the, for the saints who were struggling in Jerusalem. So it says in verse 25, Acts 12, 25, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry, that is taking the offering that they had. And they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. Now John Mark here was Barnabas' cousin. We know that from Colossians chapter four. It tells us that he was his cousin. So they returned from Jerusalem. Evidently, Mark was in Jerusalem and they took him back to Antioch with them. Now, if you go on over to the 13th chapter, verse number five, 
in verse number, uh, you know, earlier in the chapter, the, 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 uh, the Lord sent them out, Paul and, and Saul and Barnabas. It says, verse three, the Holy Spirit said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them and, being, and having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia. From there, they sailed to Cyprus. When they had arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of, the, of God in the synagogue to the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. That's John Mark. He was, he was their traveling companion and he was their assistant. And, uh, and so he was, he was part of their ministry. Now, if you go on down to the 13th verse, it says, when Paul and his party set sail from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. Okay, he returned to Jerusalem. So now if you go over to the 15th chapter, they're in Jerusalem and they're getting, getting ready to start out, Paul and Barnabas, they're getting ready to start out on, on, an, on their second missionary journey. Verse 36, after some days, Paul and said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where, he have pre- where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and and had not gone with them to the work. Paul said, nothing doing. He said, "We, we don't need to take Mark. He went with us before and he proved unfaithful. He didn't stick with the job, but we're, we don't need to take him again. We don't need to invest ourselves in somebody again who's just gonna get out there and bail on us. But it was Barnabas's cousin. And Barnabas was determined to take John Mark. Paul insisted that they should not take him. And it says in verse 39 that the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And as we say, the rest is history. The book of Acts records the rest of Paul's life and how that it was now not Paul and Barnabas, but Paul and Silas. And you never hear anything about Silas's missionary or, or Barnabas's missionary journey. It says that in verse 39, the contention became so sharp that they departed from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus and evidently out of the will of God. Say, well, how do you know? Well, the, the, the story stops. And the story follows, the, the history follows Barnabas and, or Paul and Silas, not Barnabas and Mark. Now, Barnabas later wrote an epistle. There's an epistle out there called the Epistle of Barnabas. But you know what? The early church fathers, right early on, determined that it was not scripture, that it would not be included in the canon of, uh, of the New Testament scriptures like the, the, the epistles of Paul and the epistles of Peter and the epistles of John and Jude. Uh, the, the epistle of Barnabas they, the early church fathers ruled that it, that it, it, wasn't, 
It was an inspired utterance. I tell you what, it matters what, what with the decisions we make in life. Matters a lot. And Barnabas, he, he was at a crossroad, but he wanted to do it his way. He just, he just, he, what, what happened was he was moved with natural considerations. He let the natural, this is my cousin, I love him, I want to help him. Well, that's good. And, you know, later we find out, later in reading the epistles of Paul, that, that Mark factored into to the, the apostle Paul's life later on. He was restored, and so there was a future, but they missed what God had. You know, God is able to redeem some things that we mess up, but some things that we miss out on and we don't follow the plan of God, they, they, can't, be, they can't be brought back. It's important that we consecrate ourselves to doing God's will all the time. Be willing to obey no matter what. I talked this morning, you know, about how I didn't want to, I didn't want to become a pastor. I didn't want to go in the ministry at all. And, and I backslid. And that's, that I believe that was, that's one of the main reasons why I backslid so and went so far away from God as I was running from the call of God. And I, and, I, and I nearly buried it. I mean, for all practical purposes, I, I buried that. I, I didn't sense that call anymore. I mean, I was, I was, when I was in a teenager, particularly my middle to late teens and, and, uh, uh, and thereafter for the, you know, for the first uh, few years of my, couple of years of my adult life, I was so far away from God. I had no consciousness of God's presence or his plan for my life. I was... I was just completely backslidden. But I did that, I believe partly what was responsible for that was I was running away from God's will for my life. And thank God he got a hold of me early enough that I could, that I could get back on track. Amen. But I can tell you this, it cost me. It cost me some things. Amen. There are some places in ministry that if, if you're not in God's timing, uh, you, you, just, you can't get there again. God can still take you on and do great things. And God's, God's done some marvelous things in my life. But I know I miss some things by being backslidden and being uh, rebellious and, and, and not pursuing the, the plan of God. I know I miss some things. I won't go into it, but I know it. Amen. I tell you, it's important. And, uh, you know, the scripture over in Isaiah, we talk about sometimes, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. You know, God wants us to be willing. It's a willing heart that God loves and that God can work with. And sometimes the small things in life that don't seem to be all that great when we have a willing heart, God takes note of those things. And he's able to use us in greater things down the road because we yielded to him in the small things. Amen. Brother Hagin told the story one time how a man came by and, and he was pastoring. Brother Hagin was pastoring and a man, he was a traveling minister. 
And he was on the bus. This is way back in the 1940s. And he was traveling by bus and he only had enough money to get to the town where Brother Hagen was. I don't know where he was going, but that's all the, that's as, that's as big a ticket as he could buy. That's as far as it got him. And so that, you know, he, he really didn't have a, have any, uh, body asking him to preach, but you know, he, he was just out doing the best he could. And when he, when the bus came into town, he recognized Brother Hagen's church, the church where he was pastoring. He said, stop the bus and let me off here. So he got off the bus, you know, right there at Brother Hagen's church and, and uh, knocked on the door and introduced himself. They, they had actually known one another. He knew who he was. And the Lord told Brother Hagen, he said, the Lord gave, told him to give him a certain amount of money. Well, it was, it was a lot of money to Brother Hagen. And, and Brother Hagen argued with the Lord. He said, I can't, I can't, if I give him that, I won't have enough. I won't be able to meet my budget for the, for the week. I have a wife. I have a family. Come on, God, you know, you know how we do. And, and the Lord said, no, you give him that money. So he gave him that money. Of course, God met Brother Hagen's need. He didn't go hungry. His family didn't go hungry. God provided for him. But several years later, he was in a service, in a church preaching, after he went out on the evangelistic field, you know, and holding meetings. And he was in a service and there was a remarkable miracle that took place. God's power just manifested. The gifts of the Spirit operated through him and there was just a tremendous a miracle that took place. And the Lord spoke to him, and this was several years later, and, and brought that incident back. And the Lord said, if you hadn't obeyed me, giving to that brother that came by, I would not have been able to use you tonight. This would not have happened if you hadn't done that. It's important. It matters. And, and a lot of times, God just wants you, God just wants you to be willing. <laughs> I, was, I was really concerned, you know, that, that one reason I didn't want to go in the ministry is because I didn't want to be sent, you know, to some crazy place. I didn't want to be sent, you know, to some, you know, to the jungle somewhere in South America or, you know, someplace and never be heard of again. And, uh, and, then, and then I didn't want a pastor. Once I finally accepted the call to go in the ministry, I didn't want a pastor because uh, I had grown up. My best friend, one of my best friends was a pastor's son and I stayed in his home a lot, you know, spent the night with him and, you know, we just hung out together and, and, uh, and I had seen, of course, it was a denominational setting. It isn't like our church, but I had seen all of the crazy stuff that this pastor's family had to go through. This pastor's son is good, my best friend. I saw all the stuff he had to put up with as a preacher's kid. And I was, you know, in the family, you know, in their home a lot. And so I just, you know, I'd hear some things, you know, stuff going on in the church. And I thought, man, I don't want to be involved in this. And, uh, but it was God's will for me. And like I said this morning, submitting to God's will turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to me. And, uh, you know, a few years ago, I, I went through just a, just a, you know, about 20 years ago, I went through a time again where I began to just to, I just had a sense that God was leading me to leave here, to, to resign from this church. It's about 20 years ago. And I just had the, I just had the sense that God wanted me to go and, and, and go out into a traveling ministry. And by that time, I mean, I loved pastoring. 
I thought that's what I wanted to do originally was have a traveling ministry. Now I feel like, you know, the Lord wants me to leave the church and go out to a traveling ministry. And I wrestled with that. I mean, I, I told my wife about it. She got really concerned. And I said, honey, I, I don't know. I just, I just feel like the Lord's leading me to, to go out into a traveling ministry and leave uh, Faith, it was called Faith Christian Fellowship at the time. It was the name of our church. And I said, I just feel like I'm, I'm supposed to. I, I actually had to go so far. And I finally, I finally said, okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll do it. So I contacted a couple of friends, pastor friends, and asked them if I could come preach. And uh, I said, I, I feel like, I told them, I said, I feel like the Lord's calling me to, uh, to leave this church. And I, I want to make myself available and, and a couple of people, well, I, I, maybe only one. I think one pastor, maybe two, you know, invited me to come preach in their church. And I, and I went and we had good services. And once I did that, the Lord said, I don't want you to go anywhere. You're the, you're the pastor of this church. You're supposed to be in that church. But see, what he wanted me to be was he wanted me to be willing he wanted me to be willing. And once I was willing, then the, 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 the Lord ministered to me, said, no, you're right exactly where you're supposed to be, but I, I need you to be willing to follow me and do anything. I, then I read, I didn't know this at the time, but then I read, you know, that Brother Hagin went through the same, t- th- same thing in his ministry once. He felt like God was supposed to, he was pastoring a church and he felt like God was leading him to, uh, to go into the, into the ministry, you know, to go into the traveling ministry. And, uh, and he was all ready to do it when the Lord said to him, no, now that you're willing, you can stay where you're at. <laughs> you know, God's that way. He wants a willing heart. He wants all of us. And uh, sometimes at those crossroads, it, it doesn't look like the plan of God's very inviting. You know, Jesus, he was talking about salvation, but Jesus made a comment about, uh, you know, wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many people go down that road. He said, but narrow and confined and difficult is the way that leads to life, and few that go, go in. There's a comparison there in when we uh, come up on these crossroads in our lives, and sometimes... The, the way of the flesh looks like a big, bright, well-lit highway. You know, and it's just straight. You can see and you know where you're going. You've got a plan. But then God's dealing with you about doing something else. And that road sometimes is a crooked road. You, you can't see but just a short ways and there's a turn. And you don't know what's around the corner. You can't see ahead. You might see some mountains ahead. You might see some valleys. And, but you can't see your way. It's It's difficult sometimes to, to agree to go that way. And I'm going to tell you this, the Lord won't show you everything because then you'd be walking by sight, not by faith. You have to walk by faith. But even though that road that God has for you might, be, might have some twists and turns in it, if you'll follow what you have in your heart from God, if you'll be obedient and do what God wants you to do, he'll, he'll direct you in those turns and in whatever lies ahead and, and there'll be so much grace and you'll come out so far ahead because you go down that road that looks that you've made out for yourself that's so broad and well lit it's not as good as it looks 
It's not as good as it looks. Well, amen. Praise God. We need to be surrendered to God's plan for our life. Amen. He wants people who are hungry and willing to follow him no matter. No matter what the cost, no matter where it leads. And just trust God. Amen. Well, I'm I'm afraid if I submit to God, he won't say, I was just kidding. (laughs) You have to just be willing to to obey God. Amen. And and it's not until you get to that place of total surrender that God can really use you the way he wants to. And I know, I know God has a plan for everybody, everybody here, every one of us. And for the church, for this church and for the church at large, universal church, God has a plan. And uh, it has to do with the harvest. It has to do with the last days. It has to do with getting us to that place we're supposed to be. Yes. Amen. Oh, hallelujah. Are you hungry? Yes. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. Paul, he said, even, even he's writing scripture. He's writing the New Testament. He says, I haven't achieved everything that God has for me. I haven't arrived. But this one thing I do, I, I believe that this must have been an everyday prayer of Paul. This one thing, he didn't say this one thing I did. He said this one thing I do. Sounds to me like this was something that he lived by. This is what I do. I forget those things which are behind and I press toward those things which are ahead. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.